Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chick days. For the next Zone Golf Scramble. If your conversations always start with the weather, welcome to the Midwest Farm Report. Good morning and welcome to our show today. My name is Nate Zimdars filling in for Pam Yonke. We got an exciting show ahead of you today. We are going to be hearing from Pam who had the opportunity to speak to Anna Maynard. She is in charge of the commercial exhibitors at Farm Technology Days, which will be coming up next week. Pam was able to hear a little bit more about some of what is in store on that front at Farm Tech Days. You'll also be hearing from myself. I had the chance to speak with Alyssa Kenny. She works for the Public Service Commission of Wisconsin, and they're going to be in charge of funneling the $1 billion in funding the state is receiving in federal funds to help expand the broadband infrastructure here in the state of Wisconsin. Later on in the program, you're also going to be hearing from Pam, who will be speaking with John Heinberg, market advisor with Total Farm Marketing, and he'll be speaking with a little more depth on what's going on in the markets right now and a few things that we need to be paying attention to. And of course, we're also going to be speaking with our egg meteorologist, Stu Muck, and he'll be giving us a more detailed forecast for the week ahead. Stay tuned. Change. It's never easy for any of us, but it's happening all the time. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee at the southern end of the world's longest barn here in Madison. We're getting ready to witness some change during Wisconsin Farm Technology Days 2023. It's being held at what we call a neutral site this year, the Badgers Team and Gas Engine Club Grounds. That's between Wisconsin Dells and Baraboo. We told you the story earlier with uh, Farm Technology Days General Manager Arnie Jennerman about why they went to this site for the 2023 show. It was in part because decisions had to be made during the pandemic on where the state's largest outdoor agriculture event would be headed. This was the location they decided on. I talked with Anna Maynard, who is the commercial exhibits coordinator for Wisconsin Farm Technology Days. As you can imagine, commercial exhibitors don't necessarily like change either, but she says in this case, they were happy to hear the outcome. Very positive. Um, I think they wanted to know what the program was. How are we going to get people here? What were we going to feature and, and work on? And so we assured them we were going to have tours. Um, I think that was an important critical part. We assured them that we were going to have various demonstrations all around the grounds. I think those were all key things. Um, exhibitors are coming in. We're at about 425. I think we'll be at about 500 by the time the show um, starts on the 18th. Um, but I, I think they're excited about it because we've done a lot. We've mm -hmm. tried to do a lot to bring people in. You know, and you were t having these conversations. People have to understand, you were having these conversations as many of these agribusinesses, these companies, were trying to figure out their way forward after a pandemic. Right. When You know, we planned this several years in advance. So 2019, we started looking. COVID comes in the fall. 2020, COVID's in full swing. Is anybody going to be able to go anywhere? We're shut down. We can't do anything. How do you find a farm and convince them, yeah, in two years it's going to be okay when none of us knew that it was going to be okay? And so um, there, was, there was that hesitation, and so we had to find a place, and we thought, this is really a good place. There's lots of buildings. 
There's a lots of electrical infrastructure here already. They've got gates, they've got roads, they've got a lot of the things that we needed because we knew it was going to be a tough, a tougher show um, because it wasn't the norm. Right. Well, there are a lot of normal elements, though, like you said, that you keep coming back to. We're at the Badgers Team and Gas Engine Club grounds between Wisconsin Dells and Baraboo. Unique location that way. Now, field demonstrations, uh, getting the large agribusiness companies to engage in a facility that's known for heritage. Did you have, have to walk them through that, too? Um, a little bit, but really not. I think they understood that we've always had that heritage component to this show, but that um, we try to do the, the technology, you know, getting the drones to come in and, and cover that, getting, you know, Chevy to be here with their electric trucks ride and drive, getting, you know, um, equipment dealers to come in and, and show what their new technology is. I, I think... They realize that that is what this show is about and um, are supporting it. Good. Now, do we see any new companies that are interested in this show? Not necessarily, I don't care about size, but are we seeing any new avenues, uh, software or something like that, that people might be surprised about, Anna? We are seeing new companies. It's interesting. One of the things I wanted to point out is we're going to food trucks this year. So we do have companies that are coming that are showing their value-added products. You know, um, Wisconsin Meats is going to be here selling their sausage and things for a take-home product. Um, way more of any of that than we've had in the past um, because people are interested in this new way. We don't have to cook our own burgers. There's people out there that are doing this professionally let them come in and support another segment of the economy. Um, yes, we're always getting new local. McFarland has not been a big participant in the show in the past, but now we're right here in their backyard, and so they're here and they're showing us their support. Um, we are. We're getting companies like Sensor One, um, software companies, companies that are um, looking at technology in different ways. Um, the drone, Maverick drones here mm -hmm. with, you know, spray your field. You can't find a person to work and drive on the tractor. Sit here and maneuver your, your drone yourself. So we do have a lot of that type of technology because labor is a big issue for farms oh now. God, yeah. Yeah. You know, the other thing that people have to understand is you have traditionally reached out to the same companies. That list changes. It's, from your standpoint, trying to recruit all these. Explain to people how, and it's not just you alone, how do you try to figure out recruiting new companies to be involved in a show that moves all over the state? Well, you really got to work on promotion. So here we worked with the Baraboo Chamber of Commerce, the Reedsburg Chamber of Commerce. Both were very supportive in getting the word out to their companies that were here in their area and we want them to participate. Also, you know, we were missing a little bit of here. We didn't have the county component, which a lot of times you get um, a lot of support from them yeah. introducing new businesses. But here, the uh, Sauk County Conservation, the Sauk County, um, oh, the Veterans Services is going to oh. be here and Health Services is going to be here. And um, Melissa with St. Land Conservation is going to be here. Uh, they have been really helpful in reaching out to companies. Melissa knew the, the farms that were going to could do the tours, and so that was a natural connection. So um, it's by working through people that live here. Right. Well, and that's the 
key to this show's success anywhere it goes. Project for me now, Anna, out, we already know where the next two years show is going to be 24 and 25. Is it still feeling like this show, as it is, has got legs to go another 70 years? Well, we've actually made changes for 2025. We're partnering directly with the farm. So we've found that there's been farms across the state that want, would like to host Farm Technology Days, but they didn't have that county support. Maybe, you know, there used to be ag agents in every county, and there aren't ag agents anymore, and so they don't have the personnel to put into being that partner to the show. So we've decided we're going directly to the farms. Mm. We're going to find the farm to be the partner. We're going to work with them. We're going to work with the companies that have supported them and um, do it that way. Because these farms support their community. They're a big major part of their community. You know, the dollars that they generate, whether it be in wages to their employees, whether it be in what they spend in the community, they are a major factor. And so we've decided to go that way because it has become too difficult to recruit um, counties and then look for a farm. So we're going to go directly to the farm. Excellent. Now let got to ask you, like I said at the outset, you know everything there is to know about this show, but I also know that you and Chuck have thought about well maybe we take a step back. That's an issue for the show too. All of us are getting to that age where we'd like to be able to take a step back. What does that, you talk about estate planning for the show leadership? Well, um, we have committed to this show that we're going to be here for at least through 2025. The Clinton Farm specifically said, we'll do this for you and Chuck. Um, so they're going to they're gonna do this in 2025. And after this show, we'll make a decision about where we go for 2026. But I have to say, I've already been reached out by farms that are interested in hosting 2026 directly. So there is interest in... Um, this new way of doing the show. All right, we'll wait and see what happens. That's Anna Maynard. She's the Commercial Exhibits Coordinator with Wisconsin Farm Technology Days. Like we said, largely because of the pandemic, they made the decision to hold this year's show at the Badgers Team and Gas Engine Club Grounds July 18th through the 20th. The 2024 show heads back to Chippewa County. 2025 will be in Wapaka County. And like uh, Anna said, 2026, we'll wait and see. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. When you walk into Blaine's Farm and Fleet, you'll find friendly, helpful service, great prices, and brand name products like Balin 20-gauge 6-rail utility gates, now 10% off. Get the job done right with Hillman Hardware, also 10% off. And pick up a 5-horsepower, 9-gallon wet-dry vac from DeWalt, on sale, $89.99. For superior products, trust the experts at Blaine's Farm and Fleet. The hardest working people in America find value at Blaine's Farm and Fleet. You know when you've really made it? When you finally have your own place and you can decorate it the way you want. Your Aunt Betty used to sleep on that old couch. It's time to turn drab into fab with Lazy Luxury from Lazy Boy Furnishings and Decor. That chair, it belonged to the dog. Time to start styling. Lazy decorators love Lazy Boy. Lazy Boy Home Furnishings and Decor, Madison, East Springs Drive near East Town Mall. 
Are you a non-union construction tradesperson proud of what you do? Did you know you're worth so much more than what you're bringing home today? Put the power of Lyuna Union Labor to work for you. When you join Lyuna, you get the pay you deserve, plus pension and health care benefits above and beyond your compensation. That's zero deductions for pension and health care benefits with Lyuna because you're worth it. Learn more at lyunawisconsin.org slash join. Shopping for that special someone can be hard. You want to make sure that gift is perfect. Jewelry is always a great go-to because it lasts forever. Place to go, Goodman's Jewelers. They have the best prices, something for every budget. They have incredible quality jewelry, one-of-a-kind pieces, diamonds, engagement rings, traditional and modern styles, and you can customize your own. Something for a Badger Packer fan? Goodman's Jewelers has it. A true icon in Madison, the city's oldest full-service jewelry store, is your family. Goodman's Jewelers. Being with you makes us happy as pigs in mud. This is the Midwest Farm Report. And uh, the lightning was going, the thunder was booming, the rain was coming down, and uh, I hope that's maybe a sign of what's to come in the days ahead. Well, we certainly hope so. I think we could all use some rain. It would all be a welcome thing. Uh, rain amounts I have at least so far this morning don't look too impressive. Uh, I've got Madison at three hundredths of an inch, La Crosse at one one hundredth of an inch. A little better further north up at Iola, twenty eight hundredths of an inch. Galesville, Trempeleau County, sixty four hundredths of an inch. That's about all that's starting to trickle in, pardon the pun. But that's how it starts out this morning. Now there's a cool front dropping through the state. Oh, about from the southern parts of Lake Winnebago, the Fond du Lac area, uh, just over to about Prairie du Chien, southwest Wisconsin. That cool front will push further southeast today. North of that boundary is where we see some rain. Scattered showers from La Crosse to Green Bay. Another band further up, say, Iron Mountain. That's uh, the UP and Wisconsin edge. And back toward that central part of Wisconsin, south of Eau Claire. So a couple of bands of some rain to move through today. Showers, maybe a rumble of thunder, but that's going to be about the extent. Otherwise, we just start to cool it off a little bit today. Not quite as warm as yesterday. And hopefully with that cool front to our south, not quite so humid. So I think it's going to work out to be an all right day. The front drops just off to our south. And the next low develops further west. We'll move east right on that boundary. That brings around that shower chance again, I'd say, later tonight or into the day Wednesday. And lasting over Wednesday night. And that's when rain amounts could very well be adding up to a quarter or maybe even a half an inch. That would be a nice little boost for us through Wednesday and Wednesday night. Scattered hit or miss type showers may still linger on for Thursday. Kind of the end of the system as it starts to pull away. Something may still pop up and bring a little rain, but not really widespread. The thing is, the temperature's getting cooler today and tomorrow. And then warming up again Thursday and Friday, back up to normal and above normal. Most likely going to feel pretty summery again as we head toward the weekend coming up. And there could be a bit of a scattered, a really small chance of a little rain early Saturday or a little later Sunday. And as we start toward early next week as well. So all kinds of activity going on. If you've gathered, the one thing I'm expecting is we're not going to see all kinds of rain. Not going to have big gully washers out of this. 
talking about severe weather a little more likely further south uh, the southern half of Iowa into Illinois. So maybe not that big of a threat here in Wisconsin, but at least there will be some chance of some rainfall in the next day or two. And those temperatures won't be quite as hot. The humidity won't be quite as high, allevi alleviating a little stress on our livestock, us, our crops especially. Probably going to see a lot more growth with these temperatures still not cold, just not quite so hot, and a little additional rainfall to really help things out. I'll have those forecast details. We'll give you a little timing idea for some rain right after this. Whether it's finally getting that blue ribbon or enjoying too many carnival rides, we all have memories of the fair. Here's your chance to share those stories in our Everybody Has a Fair Story contest. The Midwest Farm Report is teaming up with the Wisconsin Association of Fairs as they celebrate 100 years of fairs to share the fair story. Entries are being accepted all summer long, and there are cash prizes. To enter and see full contest details, visit MidwestFarmReport.com. Cameron Olson of Olson Solar Energy. Farmers understand the value of the sun. It's finally time to put solar to work on your farm. Through the Rural Energy for America grant program from the USDA, agricultural businesses can realize amazing savings from solar even sooner. Learn all about the current REAP grant from Olson Solar Energy. Stop into one of their three locations. Call them at 608-780-2347 or visit OlsonSolarEnergy.com today. Go green, save green with Olson Solar Energy. And we're back again with another look at our egg weather. Before we dive into details with Stu, I do want to go through our talk text line. We did get a couple of folks who texted in with some numbers. So it wasn't just us here in the Madison area that got a little bit of rain. It looks like uh, there was some rain up in La Crescent, about .02 inches yesterday. And then we do have another one from Stan. He got .3 rain last night. Not too much, but he did say that that lightning show was pretty awesome. And from the way you're talking, Stu, it looks like there's going to be a little bit more of that coming up. Yeah, a little bit of that possibility holding on, Nate, and I guess that's all right. We can probably use some moisture without a doubt. Now, there may be some sprinkly showers or a little light rain yet this morning. I'd say La Crosse, Mauston, a small chance at Fond du Lac. Otherwise, for the most part today, drying out a bit, mostly sunny and still plenty warm. Uh, I'd have to say Madison to Beaver Dam, low 80s. Everybody else in the mid or upper 70s, coolest further north and northwest. And winds out of the north will be at around 5 to 10. But overnight, the clouds redevelop. And late in the night, scattered showers or maybe an isolated thunderstorm before daybreak. Temps down in the low 60s or even an upper 50 here and there. With winds out of the northeast about 5 to 10. Mostly cloudy Wednesday. And scattered showers could be a thunderstorm. A possibility earlier in the day, maybe a little more likelihood again about that mid-late afternoon time frame. Now I'd expect temps tomorrow a little cooler, a lot of mid-70s. Ooh, this sounds kind of air-conditioned and comfortable. Southeast winds will be around 5 to 10. Tomorrow's the day when we could push up to a quarter or maybe a half an inch with that rain chance lasting into Wednesday night. By Thursday, let's talk about some mostly sunny skies and possibly an afternoon shower, isolated storm. Warming again, though, back up into the 80s, probably low and mid-80s, with west winds at 5 to 10. That scattered rain chance lingering a bit, especially toward Friday afternoon. But that's the time, Nate, where we push back into the upper 80s, and the southwest winds will probably start to bring that sticky air back in, and that's going to be with us as we head for the weekend. Not news, but at least there's some rain earlier. 
Well, certainly something to look forward to, at least the rain part. I don't know about that hot and sticky, especially with county fairs going on. I know it always seems during that time of year folks are going to the fair and it's always really hot, really humid and not the most enjoyable, but it's still a good time to get out. Isn't that right? Oh, it absolutely is. And of course, that's when you look for some cool, refreshing shade and beverages and it all works out. Absolutely. And again, that is Stu Muck, our egg meteorologist, with a little teaser of what is to come in the days ahead, which sounds like something good because at least we'll be getting a little bit of rain. Thanks again, Stu. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. You know who tells a great story? Our Tom's Auto Center customers, like Blake, who recently gave us a five-star review. It reads, I appreciated the emailed estimate and text message communication about the repairs. Thanks, Blake. Schedule your appointment, tomsautocenter.com. We'll make sure you get five-star service. Tom's Auto Center. Off Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's. Pest control? You've got a guy for that. Car repairs? You probably have a guy for that as well. For someone to custom design a unique piece of jewelry for you, or help your current pieces look sparkling fresh? That needs to be William Thomas Custom Jewelry. Affordable and local, William Thomas Custom Jewelry will help you create a desirable, one-of-a-kind piece that you'll be proud to wear for years to come. William Thomas Custom Jewelry. Your inspiration, your custom jeweler. How is it that we can have smokers' lines without ever smoking? A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Smokers or lip lines can occur not only because of smoking, but other factors, such as talking, drinking from a straw, genetics, and age related fat loss. The most simple and effective treatment for this problem is a combination of dermal fillers such as Juvederm, which can smooth and fill those fine lines as well as hydrate the lips. Also, a neuromodulator such as Botox can be used in small amounts to relax those pursing muscles. At Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie, this treatment results in a natural, more youthful appearance of the mouth and often lasts a year or longer. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. Huh, nice. Hardwood floor. Or is it? Sounds like a floor. It's not squishy. That's good. Floors aren't supposed to squish. Goes wall to wall, like good floors do. And I'm walking all over it. Usually, a dead giveaway that it's a floor. But it's not a floor. This is a mattress. Charlie Heidel's for 52 days. People like Charlie are scattered all across Dane County. And because the need is there, so are we. This year, we'll supply nearly $400,000 in bedding, furniture, clothing, and household items to people like Charlie. Just one part of the more than $1.4 million in food, shelter, and other goods and services we provide. We're St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need. The nightmare of working with some contractors is much like being on a bad date. They totally wreck your bathroom, swindle you out of a ton of money, then disappear into the dark of night. 
Swipe left. Actuate Improvement is a full-service design and remodeling company who completes the job as promised, is cost-conscious, then leaves you with a sweet thank you note. Swipe right, and let's get the conversation started with a free consultation. ActuateLLC.com. Design. Create. Actuate. Tom Spitz and David Fink of Settlers Bank. We make it easy to access the bankers you know. Bankers who listen to your goals then offer expert advice and solutions that simplify even the most complex financial matters. Virtually or in person, we're here when you need us. To learn more, stop by or visit SettlersWI.com. Settlers Bank, timely decisions, people you know. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. This is Matt Gunderson, and this is Elmer, our canine cuddle ambassador, here to provide good-natured, loving, fuzzy support to further our level of personal care. Someday you might meet Elmer as we assist you with an individual life celebration. Let our family help your family. Visit GundersonFH.com. Over 100 years as your hometown life celebration center. Spilled your drink? Quick, the quicker picker-upper. Bounty picks up spills quicker. And each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less than the leading ordinary brand. So, you can get back to your night. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. But in the Futures game, the guy that stole the show um, for a lot of the game, but also for the Brewers was Jacob Mizorowski, the pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers. Like I said, 21-year-old in high A. Guy's so got a cannon on him or what? He came in and was lighting up the radar gun. Uh, he came in and obviously pitched quite well, but one thing that was really noticed was how hard he was throwing and the nasty off-speed. So he struck out three in his inning of work, struck out the side, but he had an average fastball over 100 miles an hour. Whoa, hell yeah. Yeah, and he also threw 10 of the fastest uh, 12 pitches in the game. Good for that. Hell so yeah. He's a brewer. Basically, this is like a all-star game for minor leaguers where only the best guys are invited or the guys with the most promising uh, upside. Yeah. And they noted how so many of these pitchers are throwing hard. Mm-hmm. And then it's the Brewers pitcher that comes in and throws 10 out of the 12 fastest pitches, strikes out the side in his inning, and also showed off some nasty breaking balls. And this is a kid, again, 21 years old, was a a first-round draft pick uh, not too long ago, and kind of stole the show, stole some headlines from the future game. Hell yeah. And honestly, out of the three prospects that were there, he was the third highest rated that the Brewers have had. Now, speaking of prospects, over the weekend also, you know, you have kind of like your MLB pipelines reorder yeah. the rankings of, of the prospects. So it, it kind of gives it a new facelift. The current top 100, the Brewers, they went from having uh, 
a few players on because at one point when you looked remember we were talking about the brewers minor league system yeah how it was very top heavy how they had like their top nine prospects were all pretty good and then the 10 through 30 were all not as good as the standard league but overall they had a decent minor league system because of how top heavy the top nine were yeah that was back when you had like garrett mitchell bryce terang joey weimer you go right on down that list well, all of those guys have graduated from the prospect list because they've had over their number of at-bats, I believe it's like 100. Mm-hmm. So they've all graduated from those lists. All those guys were top 100 prospects in the past. Well, the Brewers now have five guys five. back in the top One, two, 100. Three, four, fifth. Five. As the uh, new rankings came out for the MLB Pipeline, they now officially have Let's in their go. top five, obviously Jackson Cheerio. He comes in at, he is now the number three prospect in baseball, but, but? he's going to be moving up extremely soon because uh, Ellie De La Cruz will lose his prospect <laughs> status here shortly. Okay. And then uh, your top 100 prospects, Jackson Cheerio, who we know is number three. Yep, baller. Sal Freelich, who we know is chopping at the bit in AAA, probably. Baller. Uh, might be up by the end of the season. He's 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 back from being injured, right? Correct. Yeah. He hurt his thumb right around the same time Keston Hira sprained his knee. Your number three prospect, Jefferson Curio. Mr. Jefferson? The catcher that was in the Futures game is number three. Mm-hmm. The 20-year-old catcher in double-A. Jacob Mizorowski, the 21-year-old. Yeah, that stole the headlines, is also in the top 100. And then Tyler Black, a... Basically, an infielder that can play corner outfield, specifically play second and third base, got officially moved up inside the top 100. So the Brewers now have five players ranked in the top 100 for the prospect list. Only two other teams have five players in that top 100, and that's Baltimore and Los Angeles Dodgers. So uh, Brewers farm system getting a little bit of a bump here all of a sudden. And uh, it's kind of cool to see, especially because the Brewers did graduate so many top 100 prospects to the big leagues. Now, I think a lot of Brewer fans are saying, yeah, well, top 100, great. They haven't done anything at the big league level. I get it. But But uh, you'd rather have them than not. Yeah, you'd rather have them than not because, one, when they finally get there, more opportunities for at least one or two to pop. And, two, if you end up trading them, they have more perceived value. And then speaking of draft picks, obviously the draft got started last night for Major League Baseball. The Milwaukee Brewers, well, they made three selections. For all of you that had your first date riding around the field in a tractor cab, this is the Midwest Farm Report. On June 26th, it was announced that Wisconsin would be receiving over $1 billion to support expanding critical broadband infrastructure. This money comes courtesy of the federal bipartisan infrastructure law, which created the Broadband Equity Access and Deployment Program. This $1 billion in funding will be directed to the Public Service Commission of Wisconsin. They will be administering where that money goes To help better understand where to direct this money, the Public Service Commission is encouraging all Wisconsin households to participate in a Wisconsin Internet self-report survey by July 14th. They have opportunities for folks to participate either online if they have Internet access or to call over the phone. 
I'm Nate Zimdars from the Midwest Farm Report, and I spoke with Alyssa Kenny. She is the Wisconsin Broadband and Digital Equity Director. She shares more details about the current survey and also some preliminary plans that they have for that funding. Alyssa, what does the Public Service Commission do as it relates to broadband expansion? So there's four main things that the Public Service Commission does. The first and the thing we're really most known for is we award and administer a number of different broadband expansion grant programs. This includes the state grant program, and then there was a federal grant program um, using some federal American Rescue Plan Act dollars. And in the near future, we will be um, administering and awarding the BEAD, the Broadband Equity Access Deployment Federal Dollars. And so the first thing we do is we deploy funds out there to expand broadband to un- and underserved locations in the state. The next thing we do is we maintain the Wisconsin Broadband Map and a whole bunch of other maps that help with community planning, um, help people find their internet service provider, and really support anyone who wants a sort of better picture of what's happening on the ground with broadband deployment and access throughout the state. The third thing we do is what I like to call partnership and capacity building, and that's any of the work we do outreaching with local communities, local government, organizations that are working to improve the broadband access in their community. And those are anywhere from outreach webinars to small planning grants to any of the support that those communities might need to improve broadband for them. And the last thing we do is what I would call kind of digital opportunity, and that's support around making sure that people have affordable broadband and that the communities and throughout the state there's opportunities for people to access digital literacy and digital skills so they can make good use of the broadband. Is the Public Service Commission solely responsible for expanding all broadband infrastructure in Wisconsin? The Public Service Commission is not solely responsible. We, um, among, in, within the state, we like to think of ourselves as the leader and the coordinator of a lot of the broadband efforts throughout the state. But there are other state agencies that have particular roles. For example, um, our good friends at the Department of Public Instruction are concerned with making sure all the schools and libraries in the state have broadband access. Um, our Wisconsin Economic Development Corporation, certainly they have an Office of Rural Prosperity that works with rural communities on some technical assistance. Um, and then there's some federal government roles. There's the Federal Communications Commission that has funded broadband and also um, there's a lot of the regulation of broadband and the consumer protections related to broadband at the federal level. And then finally, broadband is unregulated and it's really private businesses that own those facilities. And in the end, those businesses often drive many of the locations where the facilities are expanded and the types of improvements and the maintenance and the cost. It was announced that the Public Service Commission was going to be launching a Wisconsin Internet Self-Report Survey. Can you tell us what was the motivation behind the survey, and was this survey already planned before the announced billion in funding? Yes, and so we like to call it WISER, so we can get a little smarter about broadband in the state. And the WISER, the Wisconsin Internet Self-Report, it's actually been around for over a year, and it does a combination um, of asking questions about what we would call 
access? Do you actually have any broadband or internet service? I call it kind of the next A, adequacy. Is it performing as you expected? So that's sort of a speed test or, you know, and how does that speed test compare to what the consumer might be subscribing to or purchasing from the provider? Affordability, is it, some, you know, is the cost something you can afford? And then adoption, like do you have a device where you can use it or, you know, is it is it working for you? And so the surveys, um, it's a long-term tool that the office uses to sort of monitor speed, affordability, and just the experience of Wisconsin residents over time. Right now, though, we are doing a big push and a big campaign to really get people engaged, and part of that is certainly related to the huge influx of federal dollars that are coming. We want, you know, the best and most up-to-date data right now as we're um, working on planning for that deployment of federal funds to ensure that the most unserved locations um, get those federal dollars. Now, is the phone in aspect new to this survey, or is this something that you've employed before? And if you have, what has it been like to offer that option? We, the phone, we've done some phone-in options before during sort of at the beginning of the pandemic. We offered some phone-in, and now we're doing it again. And I would say um, I was just talking to, to one of the staff this morning that does this. And like, it's, you know, it's really, um, it's really fascinating to talk to people, and Wisconsin residents are just... Um, so ingenious and creative in the ways that some of them are needing to get broadband. So we have people who are, you know, getting double cell phone plans or they're, you know, using um, satellite some of the time, but then they have, you know, a friend's house they drive to when the weather is bad. And um, so we're hearing lots of stories of Wisconsin residents who um, got a little left behind. Maybe the homeowner that lived in the house before them decided not to give an internet service provider access to their property, and now, you know, they don't want to come back and connect. That was Alyssa Kenny from the Public Service Commission with extra insight on how Wisconsin will be moving forward with new funding for broadband. If you would like to participate in that survey, you can call 608-261-6026 or go to the website psc.wi.gov with a link right at the top of the homepage, and make sure to do that by July 14th. From the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Nate Zimdars. Something that affects the way the markets operate is the government. The government certainly has a very active role in agriculture, defining the way that those of us in agriculture own and operate our businesses. Government regulations can certainly be a double-edged sword. They can both help and hurt. I recently spoke with Chad Zuliger. He is the Director of Government Affairs for the Dairy Business Association, and he shared a reminder for everyone that we need to be aware of ordinances from townships and counties that could restrict farmers' abilities to grow, which could change agriculture as we know it. Some things that are cropping up now is we're seeing local ordinances, either at the county or even local town boards, that are looking to put in operational ordinances to reduce the amount of time farmers can spend in their fields, different traffic routes. You know, we're really, really focused on, on several different counties that have been very active in, in passing ordinances that, that would restrict farmers' ability to grow as needed. We don't hear oftentimes governments hindering small business operations, but, but in agriculture, it's a little bit different. Here's a look at your Tuesday market numbers. Cash corn is trading at 4.96 and a quarter, up 4 cents. 
December 2023 corn is trading at 502 and a quarter, up three cents. Cash soybeans are trading at 1468 and a quarter, up 12 and three quarters cents. November 2023 beans is trading at 1354, up eight and a half cents. September 2023 wheat is trading at 653 and a quarter, up seven cents. August Class 3 milk contract is trading at 1484 a hundredweight, down five cents. And September milk is trading at 1598, down three cents. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. No producer wants to wake up to a sick animal, and I know firsthand. BioVet is your solution for healthier animals. A lot of care and a good dose of science goes into every formulation so you can minimize problems and keep your livestock out of the hospital pen. I'm Dr. Bill Zimmer, founder of BioVet. Microbials and nutritional support, that's BioVet. Learn more at bio-vet.com. Is your biggest fear of having dermal filler in the face looking overdone? You are not alone. A skincare minute with skincare expert, Michelle Neeson. Dermal filler treatments at Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie restore fullness and fill in wrinkles in areas of the face, such as the cheeks, under eyes, lips, and around the mouth. It's very difficult to look overdone with non-surgical dermal fillers due to the amount that's typically injected. Did you know that one syringe of filler equals one-fifth of a teaspoon? One fast food ketchup packet is equivalent to eight syringes. As long as your treatment is performed by a skilled medical professional, you should have the natural looking results you desire. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. Next up on the rodeo hour is a new bronc rider going for the $500 prize. What's he doing out there, Chuck? Ooh. Ouch. Did I win the $500? Not even close, cowboy. There's an easier way you could get up to $500 in five minutes or less when you download Dave. No credit check, no late fees. Download the Dave app now or go to Dave.com. For terms and conditions, go to Dave.com slash legal eligibility criteria and instant transfer fee supply. Banking services provided by Evolve. Member FDIC. We survived rusty playgrounds, no helmets, and drinking from the hose. This is the Midwest Farm Report. Ah, uh, yeah. On a third, uh, make that Tuesday morning. How about that? And uh, looking forward, as far as markets are concerned, to the World Ag Supply Demand Report that's coming out later this week. Markets have been rocking and rolling for the past uh, 24 hours or so. Looks like we're still seeing some of that follow through today. Let's talk about it now with our friend John Heinberg, Market Advisor, Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend. Why is it uh, such an exciting report this time around, John? Is it that big question mark, the follow-up on the acreage numbers? Very much so. I mean, obviously, we got those acres numbers at the end of the month. The big surprises on both the corn and the soybean side really kind of set this market into kind of a reset mode. And now we need to find out where the yield's going to be. Obviously, given the weather that we've been dealing with, the crop conditions and everything along those lines. So now the question is, how much does the USDA move the yield? And then we're looking at corn yield coming down to about 176 and a half, down from that 181 and a half uh, total. So about a five acre bushel 
break or drop. And if we get that, and then the next thing comes in is how does it handle this all the way through the balance sheet with the demand concerns that are out there. You know, even with that yield drop, because of those extra acres, this could still stay to be a fairly heavy pile. We're still looking at carry out projections over 2.2, 2.25 billion bushels here after that report comes out on Wednesday. Yeah, and like I said, uh, it that coupled with uh, the weather. Now, the, the the catch is with these big reports like that. You've warned us before. Uh, all the action might be before the numbers actually hit the market. You know, obviously with the corn market being where it is, we're definitely seeing some squaring up here these last handful of days as we just kind of hang around the $5 mark and, you know, traders kind of setting themselves up for the numbers and then make their directions in terms of which way the money wants to flow. You know, we're seeing a nice little price recovery here this morning, even despite the crop ratings improving yesterday. You know, the biggest thing is those crop ratings did not really improve in the I states. It was some of the fringe states, Nebraska leading the way with a big jump higher uh, because of some of the moisture that they've picked up you know but we got a little bit more of an active weather pattern now we just need to continue to see confirmation even though we've picked up some rains just talking to producers things are looking better but they are all still questioning do we have enough do we need to keep things timely you know it's gonna be interesting to see how the usda handles this if the weather you know feels like it's improving they typically don't move yields in july not that i say they're not going to do anything but maybe they slow play this just to see how the weather comes out and that could really still kind of keep things very very questionable going into next month's report in august uh, because obviously if things are improving maybe the crop will improve so maybe they don't need to make that big of a cut in yield there's a lot of crazy things moving right now it's going to be a very volatile day on Wednesday. So uh, as the phrase would uh, lead you to believe, it's a world egg supply demand report. We focus an awful lot right now on the U.S., John, but what about elsewhere? Are there weather-related concerns, yield issues anywhere else that may factor into what USDA brings to the market? Uh, obviously, the biggest area we're watching in terms of that is still what's going on with the South American crop and the harvest of the corn right now. Do they continue to grow that crop a little bit bigger? That seems to be the kind of the overhang on everything right now. And again, producers need to understand, you know, that we're looking at a crop that's double where we were the last time we dealt with weather conditions and dryness and things of that nature in 2012. That's just going to still limit our upside here when we got all that cheap corn on the market or cheaper soybeans on the market. But again, do we see any? more for adjustments there in terms of what happened with that Argentina weather. That's the Brazil crop. How does that keep the world supply? Other than that, the wheat side of the world, the markets seem to be fairly comfortable with everything happening in terms of production. And again, U.S. wheat just can't compete against global prices at this time frame. Mm. John Heinberg, market advisor with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend's along with us. Always want to remind you about their website, totalfarmmarketing.com. If you want to talk risk management strategy in front of the World Ag Supply Demand Report, his number is 800-334-9779. We're just about ready to pull the trigger on the winter wheat harvest, John. Kind of curious if you noticed anything as far as quality ratings. Uh, That crop, I'm afraid, may be impacted by the weather. Uh, Like I said, we're not even into it yet, but I imagine farther south they've been seeing some disappointing yields. 
Again, it's a mixed bag in terms of where things are. Obviously, the areas that dealt with the heavy uh, dryness and things of that nature, obviously, we're not seeing the yields we need to see there. One of the things that's kind of keeping an eye on, too, right now, some of the harvest has been slowing, and that's due to the fact they've been picking up a lot of moisture in some of those areas. So weed harvest is a little bit behind right now. Winter weed harvest is about 46% done. Last year, is about 62% done. You know, so again, that's one of those things. Here's that window. Now they want to get this crop off after a difficult growing year and now the weather's turning to the wetter side and they may not be able to get that happening at right now quality things of that nature are there as crops kind of coming in like expected at this time frame but again just the pure fact that you know we got to watch how the weather unfolds because that area of the country at least in some of those regions has been picking up a lot of moisture and seems to be the most active band where the moisture moves so my initial gut feeling right now john is that i want to try to take a position like today, while these markets, especially soybeans, are so robust. Um, What's your advice? How are you kind of helping people set up their risk management plan in front of WASD coming up? You know, soybeans is a big question because of that yield acre cut and, you know, what happens there and how they handle demand. It's going to be a tight balance sheet overall, but again, you got those cheaper beans. So both these markets right now, I'm saying on the defensive side, at least I'd rather err on the side of caution here. I'd rather watch put premium slide away from us while your bushels go up in value. And that's just the way you want to handle these big reports. And at least at this time frame is again, you got a lot of bushels out there that are maybe unpriced. That's your upside protection. Make sure you keep a floor into this in case things do stay heavy, especially in that corn market. Anything on transportation or anything else that we've got to kind of always keep on our peripheral vision? Well, you know, obviously, too, with some of the drier conditions, too, what's happening in terms of the rivers, what's how the, how we are seeing in the movement there. You know, the demand for corn in the export market is still such an issue right now. You know, again, we saw poor numbers yesterday on inspections. Uh, it just right now at this time frame, we just need to figure out where this crop is, at least have a goalpost set for us so we can kind of manage our marketing plans from here. Ethanol production, anything? Ethanol production has been holding in there very, very well. Still not where we probably need it to be. Again, that could be another one of those areas that we do see a bit of a cut in terms of the demand tomorrow. Uh, but again, at least at this time frame, we're seeing some decent summer driving. At least that could at least support things in that industry at this point. So 11 a.m. Central Time tomorrow, WASD. Correct. All right, buddy. Well, I'll look forward to our conversation next week after it all starts playing out in the marketplace. Sounds good. Have yourself a great week. All right. John Heinberg, Market Advisor, Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend, along with us live this morning. He is available if you've got questions, if you want to set up some kind of strategy before things actually fall into place after the World Ag Supply Demand Report, 11 a.m. Central Time tomorrow. All you have to do is jump on that website, totalfarmmarketing.com. Call him, 800-334-9779, or John H. at totalfarmmarketing.com. And he will respond to you. Always good to have that expert in our corner, especially in front of such a big report like that. Tomorrow, we're going to catch up with our friends from the Steffes Group. They are continuing to post some near record prices on a lot of the used equipment that's been going up for sale. Farmers, now that they're kind of in between uh, second crop hay and the beginning of the wheat, really continuing to shop. We'll catch up with you tomorrow morning. Have a good day.